Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad that you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Well, welcome to Live Free Church. I'm so glad that you're with us um, from your living room. Uh, church at home. We believe that people's identities are ultimately found in Jesus. When they're found in Jesus, they can actually become free people. That's what we call our church, Live Free Church. We're in a moment, a racial moment in our world where, where you and I have witnessed over the last few weeks. You see, we see the death of George Floyd, of Breonna Taylor, of Ahmed Arbery, Trayvon Martin, Walter Scott, and so many more African-Americans You see, we see you. We see the violence that's been done against you, the deaths. Racism doesn't need to just be brought up right now in this moment. At Live Free Church, that we want to be a church that realizes that evil, that racism is evil, and it's a biblical theme. A sin the gospel reveals and ultimately heals. So I hope that as a church, Live Free Church, we talk about this routinely. That racism is an anti-gospel message. And in Live Free Church, that we are listening, we are learning, we're lamenting, we're grieving with people who are being persecuted and killed. That's our posture. We don't have all the answers. We're looking for solutions. I would love for us just in a moment to pray. Just to say, God, that we are seeking you in this moment. The injustice to African Americans in the United States, to minorities, to Aboriginals in in Canada, to First Nations, that, Lord, that we, our heart breaks for what breaks your heart. And let's pray. Pray with me. I sense your beckoning, O Lord. And I willingly respond, entering your presence to plead on behalf of another. Spirit of God, you alone know the specific needs of those who I feel burdened to intercede on their behalf. Therefore, guide my prayer, tune my thoughts, my words, my empathies to articulate your heart, your deeper purposes. I yield to your intentions, even unto the breaking of my own heart for that which breaks your heart. O God, may it please you to to bring forth petition for those who have lost their lives unjustly. This condition breaks your heart and has moved mine now and is moving our church, calling me to prayer, to cry out, to contend, to do battle on behalf of people who are being marginalized. Breathe through me, through us, O Spirit. Your thoughts, your words, kindle in me, O Father, your sorrows and consolations. Teach me, O Christ, to, how to serve in love in this crazy time that we're in. Amen. See, I want us to look this morning about whatever your life is, the sum total of your life. This is before in the last few weeks that, that we'd sometimes... We believe that we're the sum total of our life. But I want us to look at the idea of your foundation, the foundation of your life. 
Whatever that is determines the direction of your life. The foundation of your life determines the direction of your life. It's ultimately what your life is built on, the things that you value, you hold to, the things that define you, that give you meaning, significance. What are those things in your life? See, maybe you don't know what the foundation is in your life, but the only way to understand that is to say, well, what do I daydream about? What do I think about? What do I fear losing? What am I defensive about when someone asks me a question about that thing? That is the foundation. The foundation of your life is a thing that you daydream about. It's having more money or having a bigger family or having a perfect family or having that job or graduating school or having a marriage. You see, I don't know what it is for you, but we're all different. We all have our lives built on a certain thing. And that foundational piece of our life determines the direction of our life. Whatever that is for you, I think a lot of times that in this moment in a pandemic that we're, we're fearful people, that we're fearful of losing the thing that our life has been built on. See, if your life is, is built on the fear of, of your life ending, of death, maybe your foundation is health. Right now, we're in a certain time where thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people have died because of COVID. Maybe you're fearful of debt. In this time, there's so much uncertainty about the next paycheck that it feels uncomfortable for us in this moment to receive a paycheck from the government. See, whatever you're fearful of, there's uncertainty right now. And we're all having to sit in that. I think 2020 is teaching us a lesson that that this is going to be an uncomfortable year for, for you and for myself that we're all going to be and sit in this uncomfortable moment to see the racial injustice done in the United States. Like, it's uncomfortable to see people suffering and dying. The inequality that we're facing, we're seeing. See, Peter is a guy who, who was an eyewitness to Jesus, was Jesus' friend. He had this great nickname called the Son of Thunder. And Peter... He was an eyewitness of Christ and he was a, a disciple. And Peter realized that something happened in the early church that people who, who should have been crushed, who should have been destroyed, who should have been ruined, actually were strengthened. That actually in their weakness, they became ultimately so much more stronger than they could possibly be. That, that when the things that their life were really built on, the foundations of their lives, that they determined their direction of their life, were stripped away that they actually became stronger because their foundation wasn't on the things of this world, but on Jesus. See, Peter was someone who followed Jesus for three years. He had this great confession, if you look in the Gospels, where he declares that Christ is the King, the Messiah. He says, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the King. And yet, you know, chapters later in those Gospels, he's the guy who denies Jesus three times. I don't know him. He's a crazy lunatic. Like, that's who Peter was. He was someone who knew what it looked like to struggle and suffer. But something happened in his life that produced so much more joy. And it wasn't because of his foundation, it was because of Christ's foundation in his life. 
We're going to start in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. If your Bibles go there, and, um, and it begins where it says here in this passage, it says, as you come to him, right? Like the whole point of this passage is looking at the fact that, that the movable object in this story is you or I. It's not Jesus. I think a lot of times that when you come to faith in Christ, when you put your faith in this object, which is Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, that you become the movable object, not Jesus. A lot of times, I think in a North American society, that we're actually trying to make Jesus into our image, not us into Jesus' image. You see, we make Jesus the movable object this story. But Peter is saying here is, no, that's not the case. That when you come to Christ, right, what he's saying here is, as you come to him, like you're the one that's coming to him. Don't project yourself onto Jesus. Don't make him the movable object in your life, that you're actually movable. You see this all the time when you go to, you know, if you're in school and you do any kind of group building activity, that you have to kind of go all in or else your group is going to be terrible. Right? Like we did this, this thing for a church plan assessment where my wife and I, we had to, to do a group activity. And I don't know about you, but for me, I'm not always a joiner. <laughs> I'm not always a person who likes to join in on the next thing. So what happens is, like, I'm a spectator. We do this group building exercise, and my wife, Lori, just, like, jumps in and, and tackles this task with our group. But I hold back, but I realize that I'm trying to pull the team back to myself. And a lot of times, I do that with Jesus. That I want to make Jesus the movable part in my story. But Peter here is saying here is, no, as you, right now, in Kelowna, Wherever you are, you are coming to him. That you're the movable person. That your heart's going to have to change. Not Jesus's. You are going to have to be movable. You have to be changing. It's like the foundation of a house. You think about this. C.S. Lewis, in this famous book, Mere Christianity, talks about this idea that, that when we come to Christ, it's like we have already have built a house. And we think that he's going to come in and he's going to, he's going to, you know, put some trim on, or he's going to put a brand new roof on, or a skylight. But the craziest thing happens that when Christ comes into your life, that all of a sudden you hear a jackhammer. And you're like, where is that jackhammer coming from? Because guess what? The foundation of your house is getting stripped away. That God's not just, just messing around with these little things. He's not just painting the you know, the interior of your house or the exterior. He's not actually just replacing the windows. Like he's jackhammering the things that hold, you hold most valuable in your life. Because he intends to come and live in this house. You see, he's not just putting cosmetic change on your, on your house, on your life. He's coming to jackhammer the things that you hold most dear to your life. See, whether you're Christian or not, whether you believe in this or not, you have a foundation, a center of your life, a thing that determines the direction of your life. It could be health. It could be wealth. It could be recreation. It could be family. Whatever it is, that thing that you've made it will determine the direction of your life because everything from that, this moment on is about you achieving whatever it is that you have as foundational peace in your life. It says in verse 4 to 8, it says here, as you come to him, a living stone, 
rejected by people but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture. And he's referring to Psalm 118. It says here, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. See, Peter here is talking about in ancient times that there's this most expensive stone of any property. It's called the cornerstone. It's the precious stone. That if you don't set that stone correct, that cornerstone of that property, that everything is going to be out of, won't be square. It won't be straight. It will be out just a little bit. I remember seeing this in my old house in Salmon Arm. And we were into the kitchen. We've got this beautiful Ikea kitchen. We're, we're bringing up this huge cabinet that's going to go right against the wall as this, as this wall cabinet. We bring it up, and I sit it flush to the wall, and I realize that there's like the very top of the ceiling. It's flush, and the very bottom, it's almost an inch out. You see, that's why the cornerstone is so incredibly precious in this time, because if you don't get that cornerstone proper, everything in your house is going to be out of whack. What Peter here is trying to say here is that Whatever you base your life on, it will always set the course of your life. See, it will project the lines out into the rest of your life. And you'll be frantic, frantically trying to achieve that thing. See, I think people in big cities, you know, like Vancouver or even Kelowna, I think it's a growing city, it's becoming a bigger city. Your cornerstone in a bigger city is striving and getting ahead. It's about measuring up. That's what happens in big cities. A lot of times our cornerstone is just being better than the other person. It's about having a little bit more. It's about going, kids going to a better school. It's about having a better car, a better house, a nicer house, a, better, a nicer house than, than my neighbor to my left or to my right. But in a smaller town, the cornerstone is certainty which means keeping things always the way they were. I remember living in Salmon Arm for the last eight years and people always saying, I just love the fact that the city never changes. Like people in a small, small town, they just love, their cornerstone is certainty. I wake up every day and I know what to expect. I go down to the Timmy's and I get my coffee and I go and see my friend. Our church never changes. Like that is the cornerstone traditions, letting the normal family system, even if it's a sick family system, stay in place because that's the cornerstone in a small town. It makes you feel secure. But to become a Christian doesn't mean you just change your mind. It, changes, it doesn't just mean you, set, you change new doctrines or rules in your life. It actually is like a tearing up. It's like a blowing up. It's a reorganization. I said this before in the last few weeks is that a lot of times you look at your life and it's like these are building blocks of your life. These are foundational pieces of your, the foundation of your life it's built on. And a lot of times Christians, people become, they accept Christ in their life. They just take this one little block and they just put it in to their foundation. That's not what Peter's saying here. He's saying here is that there's a living stone. There's a foundational piece that's rejected by people but chosen by God. And what happens is when you accept that into your life, this living stone that changes everything, that it doesn't just sit up on a shelf in your house. It blows up your whole foundation. It 
and he gets rebuilt on that piece. The new cornerstone that everything, every line comes out in your life from that corner piece, that cornerstone, which is Jesus. I've seen so many times people who are very frantic, people who are frantically trying to achieve more and be more and trying to like be the best person in Kelowna or remember in Surrey, trying to be like, you know, like someone's like, oh, what kind of jeans are those? Right? And I'm like, what? What do you mean, what kind of jeans are those? Right? Because they're measuring me up. But I've seen people who are very frantic, free people very trying to like achieve or strive. Actually, when, they, when Jesus becomes their, their cornerstone, they mellow out. And I've seen people who are very lethargic, people who are lethargic with their whole lives, who are very apathetic, who don't really care, that when Jesus makes, when they, when they make Jesus their cornerstone in their life, they start to speed up. Because Jesus is building their foundation. Everything comes off that new cornerstone in their life. It's not based on you anymore. It's based on what God is building in your life. See, his foundation, Jesus, his foundation will change the direction of your life. Wherever you're at right now, his cornerstone, Jesus, will change the direction of everything. Your identity, your house, everything becomes about a different purpose. It says here, a spiritual house. You're, built, you're being built to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices and acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So you become holy not based on your works, your achievements. You become holy based on what Jesus has achieved on the cross. Right? Holiness, like I said a few weeks ago, looks like love. Because that has been displayed to you in such an extravagant, crazy way on the cross. When you understand that your identity is no longer in your achieving, but in your receiving of what Christ has done for you, it actually sets the foundation and course of your whole life from this moment on. See, Jesus builds you into a royal priesthood. It's a a reference to Old Testament and how people, priests, were set apart by God for his purpose. But actually, right now, in this moment, if you've actually accepted Christ in your life, you are being set apart for his purpose, for his plan in Kelowna. And it might be being uncomfortable with racial relations. It might be being uncomfortable with your family. It might be whatever it is. It's about being, setting up a new foundation in your life, and that's Jesus. You see, a new foundation that God's building is setting up your life in a brand new way. It's reorganizing, it's shifting it. I think a lot of times that people, when they look at, at the, the cross, Jesus' life, I always fear that people just, they bring Jesus in as a, a little trinket a little Bible verse they put on their wall in their house, but guess what? The rest of their life is just lived out so terribly, so not full of love, that I'm like, how are you going to experience the love of Jesus? Because if I know when I was in grade 10, I experienced Jesus' love for the first time ever, it changed my life in a brand new radical way. See, your foundation needs to change because it determines the direction of your life. 
In verse 7, it moves on here. It says here, So honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone that the builder rejected, this one has become the cornerstone and a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word and they were destined for this. See, in verse 7, Peter's quoting Psalm 118, but really, the translation that we use in the CSB Bible, which I think is the most readable and accurate version of the Bible we have in the English, English language, the, CSV, the CSB doesn't do a great job of translating this, but the NIV, which is kind of crazy, does a great job. It says here that now, to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, you see, what it's saying here is that Jesus is the most precious thing to you. That's how you know that Jesus is the, mo- the cornerstone of your life. If you want to know what's the cornerstone of your life, just ask your kids if you have kids. You know, ask your friends, like, what's the most precious thing in my life? Because it might shock you to hear back what they really believe is most precious. Peter's saying here is that Jesus needs to be the most precious thing in our life. The thing that we hold to you know, in the, in the Greek, it's actually talking about this, this, pre, like this value that's incomprehensible. Like we can't imagine that we actually were able to attain this kind of wealth, this kind of generosity, this preciousness in this cornerstone, which is now Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. See, if you find Jesus the most precious thing, the thing you desire above all else, that's how you know you believe in Jesus. That this belief in Jesus deepens your life in a brand new way. It makes it way more rich because the foundation isn't about you achieving, it's what you receive. It's not about you achieving a better house or a better car or a better family or a better spouse. It's not about achieving any of that stuff. It's about receiving what Jesus did, on you, did for you on the cross. But what he was trying to say here is that if you don't believe, it becomes a stumbling block. Something you're like, you know, I don't know if you're like at night and my kids at, you know, one in the morning and they're like, water, water. And I'm like, who is that? It's my daughter, Evie, going to get her water. And I guess what? I, st- I stumble, I trip and I hit my toe and I'm like, ah, dang it. Why is that bed there? Right? Like what he's trying to say here is that if your cornerstone is in Jesus, you're always going to trip over things in your life. That whatever you've determined the direction of your life, the foundational piece of your life, you're always going to trip over it. You're always, always, always going to trip. Spurgeon, a really famous Baptist preacher from London, is preaching this passage and he says here, these people says, Now to you who believe, he is precious. He says, what happens to you when, when you understand that you're actually in alignment with him, a federation with him, he says here. When you understand that he's the cornerstone, that he is passed to you, that he actually is a, that you're a part of the cornerstone now. Because you're built into the cornerstone, you realize that you have become ravished with Jesus. That there's a preciousness of your life. You think about that, that you desire so much of Jesus now, not just the things you desired before. Spurgeon tells a story this way. He talks about this, this idea that, that if you were dying and, and you were sick, just imagine right now that there was a disease that was devouring the earth. 
And I came to you and I said, you know what, I have a medicine that could cure you. What would you say? You say, I want it. You say, well, but this medicine, it's really expensive. It's so, so, so expensive. You're like, well, okay. I look at my life and go, you know, I have X amount of years to live, but, it's a, but your kids are sick. But this, this treatment is going to cure them. Like, what would you say if it's expensive? You say, I'm going to buy it. You say, well, it's going to cost everything. It's going to cost your house. You say, well, I don't need a house if my kids are going to die. If I'm going to die, I'm not going to need a car. I'm not going to need these things I needed because I deeply, desperately want the medication to cure this, this illness. You see, you'd have to sell everything to potentially buy it. Would you do it? For your spouse, for your mom and your dad or your kids. Right? You probably say things like, well, what good is my car if I don't have that medicine? Like, what good is my house if I don't have that medicine? What good is a vacation if I don't have that medicine? All these things look so wonderful, but they become expendable in light of the preciousness of that medicine. See, here's what Spurgeon says to these people in London. Here's how you can tell you're a Christian. When you realize that he is more precious than all those things. He's a thing you desire. You see, you want to know why Christians get generous with their money? Do you want to know why people don't mind being imposed on? Do you know why when people when they become Christians, they're not as selfish as they used to be? They shouldn't be. Do you want to know why when you become a Christian, your priorities are, are skewed? You're, they're different than what bef- you held value to before. People go, why is it you do what you do? Why do you value those things? Those things are crazy. Why do you give away so much money? You could go on a trip every year if you just stop giving that much money away. Because Jesus has set a new foundation in your life. He's the new cornerstone and everything aligns to that. The direction from that cornerstone is forever changed. But the foundation, if it's not on Jesus, you're going to trip up. Tim Keller has this great quote. He says here, the, the worst moment of your life is when you get exactly what you want. The worst moment, of your, worst moment of your life is you get exactly what you've always wanted. Because that's the moment you realize what the cornerstone of your life has been. The direction from that moment you realize my foundation's been off. When you spend your life thinking about getting married and you finally get married and you realize that your spouse isn't as great as you thought they were going to be. This isn't going to fix you or change you the way you thought it was going to be. It actually, it's, it, maybe it's way more painful or way, way, way maybe it's more worse than, than you thought it was going to be. If you spend your life idolizing your kids and guess what? One day when your kids graduate and they leave home, Right? They're not going to want to be connected as my kids are to me right now in this moment when they're, they're you know, 10 and 8 and 6 years old. But maybe spend your life saving your money only to realize you end up alone 
with that money. That people just want that money. If you spend your life living holiday to holiday and one day you realize that it's actually almost impossible to go on trips anymore because of a pandemic, because of health insurance. See, these moments when you get exactly what you want, when your foundation is built on the wrong things, when your foundation is actually determined the direction of your life, and your whole life's direction has been about the wrong things, that becomes your new living hell. Because you were the God of your story. See, when one thing is so precious, that's Jesus, that everything else that they used to look to becomes eternally and utterly expendable to you and I. That nothing else matters. That nothing else matters but him, but Jesus. And that's when you know you're free. Live Free Church, that's when you know you are a free person, when nothing else truly matters but Jesus. Not what your boss says about you or your kids say about you or your spouse says about you, but what Jesus says about you, that you are my beloved. So there's nothing you're scared to death to lose. There's nothing you're running scared from. Your franticness or the certainty of your life is gone because you're ravished with the beauty of Jesus. If Jesus becomes the love of your life, the desire of your life, you can say goodbye to being afraid of anything else. And that truly means being free. There's a freedom that's found only in Jesus. And that's why we call our church Live Free. That my hope would be that Jesus would be your cornerstone wherever you are. And that from this moment on, the direction of your life will be forever changed because he's a foundational piece. The way you look at your spouse, your kids, your house, your possessions, everything is different because Jesus is more precious than those things. Let's pray. Father, you know us, you search us. You know us when we rise and when we sit. You know when our foundation isn't built on you and we are sorry that we have made you not the cornerstone of our life. I look at my life and sometimes I, I put you as a cute little trinket on a shelf that I dust off once in a while when I want you, a little, bit, a little piece of you. But Jesus, I'm sorry for doing this, that I want you not just to be a trinket in my life, but I want you to be the cornerstone of my life that everything from this moment stems from. That the direction of my life would be forever changed because of you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.